Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. We're in a series called The Way. And, and basically, it's a study of Romans 12. Because the way is what they first called Christians. And the way starts <laughs> with being a sacrifice. It starts with surrender. And a couple of weeks ago, when I was up, I was talking about how Paul said, by the mercies of God, I beg you, present yourselves a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable worship. And then he says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I think the battle we face is right here. It's in our mind. What you think about yourself, what you think about people around you, and what you think about your giftedness. It's all right here. It starts in your mind. And if the enemy can convince you that you have nothing to offer, if the enemy can convince you that you have messed up, there's not enough grace to cover your sin, or there's not enough love to change you, whatever that lie is, then you are done. Your mind is what determines everything. So that's why Paul in the 12th chapter says, you've got to be renewed in your mind. And then we're going to be in verse 3 today. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Romans chapter 12. In verse 3, he uses the word for think four times in one verse. He knew it was important what you think and how you think. So let me just say it this way. To be surrendered, to be a living sacrifice, means that you are ready for him to renew your mind. You have offered it up to him. You're not there to give him help. You're there to say, I have nothing. Change the way I think. And he does. Now, if he changes the way you think, and you still continue to act differently, we got a problem. When you know better, there is a term that counselors will use a lot called cognitive dissonance. Now, it's a big word. Sounds bigger than it is. Here's what it means. You know better. You think one way in your mind, but you do something totally different. I can tell you how many times as a kid, the only excuse I had for doing something was, I, I don't know. I don't know. One of my children, and I'll leave them unnamed. Well, no, I won't. Andrew, the middle one. He, <laughs> he poured a strawberry icy on top of our little girl's head. She was young at the time, and he was young. And when I asked him, because I had him that night. Rachel went to a meeting or something, and I was, it was me. And, and I said, what did you do? Why did you do that? And I'll show you exactly what he did. I can't believe I did it. I said, that's all you got? I can't believe I did it. The point is, when you know better and you still live, it's cognitive dissonance. And it tears you apart. And not only does it tear you apart, it becomes the most reprehensible thing called 
a hypocrite. And you know where Jesus had his most condemning words to any group on the planet? Pharisees. And he called them hypocrites. So what I'm saying is, when we know better, live better. When we know better, act better. And that's what he's calling us to do in chapter 12. He's wanting the church to live a way that honors and glorifies him. And he says it starts right here in the way you think. So I know some of you are looking at it and you're going, what is that on the, on the table? That is Newton's cradle. Newton's cradle. It's a scientific toy. It's got a lot of principles going on and a lot of scientific stuff, but that's not why it's up here. Let me show you something. I've seen these in more offices. I mean, I've seen them in CEOs' offices and, and, and doctors' offices and people that, you know, that all right, were bright people. And they had something like this. Now watch. <clears throat> I'm going to start it and then just let it go. Now, that's fun to watch. It is. It's mesmerizing. There's some other things like it. I mean, there's a little bicycle thing that just goes and goes and goes. That's mesmerizing. I got a question for you. So what? What does it do? Nothing. It does nothing. Right? And it keeps you from doing nothing. Literally, I mean, it makes you do nothing. It's just a simple toy that just mesmerizes us. You know what? It looks like a church to me. How many churches? Man, it's really cool and everything's working and it looks great, but nothing is accomplished. Nothing happens. What's the, at the end of the day? Nothing. I mean, it's just one ride. It's just one time together and everybody has a good time, but it accomplishes nothing. So what Paul is saying is that's not us. We have something that he's given to us, every one of us. And we're supposed to use it to make a difference in the kingdom. And when we use it, it makes everybody better. Let me show you a statement to kind of summarize what, what we're going to read together. When we surrender to God's mercy, verse 1 says, by the mercies of God, I beg you. When we're surrendered to God's mercy and are transformed by God's word, the only renewing of your mind is going to be through his word. Then we will serve God's people with God's gifts. So this is very much for the body of Christ, a look at the church. Now, some of you who are on the stream, some of you in the room, never been in church much. And you're still not sure about church. These, are, <clears throat> these verses were written to people of God, that people belong to the church. And here's the reason. I have had people who didn't go to church, said they went to a church, and what they saw turned them away forever. Turned them away forever. I, I mean, I, one time I went to a fight, and a church broke out. I mean, it's, it's usually the way it happens, right? And so my question is, why would he spend so much time saying, you got to get this right? And it's because we got to get this right. The church is a beautiful thing. People are a beautiful thing, and God has gifted us to be encouragers to one another. And when we're surrendered, when it's not about us anymore, then it works. 
And when it works, it doesn't just do something that makes it look cool. It does something that changes lives forever. And so as we read this text, I want you to read it with that in mind. Lord, I, I want to know what happens when I surrender, when I, when I give it all to you and I am a living sacrifice. And you're going to change the way I think. I want to know what does that look like. Let's read what it looks like. And I'm in chapter 12 of Romans. I'm going to start with verse 1 just because we get a running start. And we're just reading down to verse 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The greatest worship you'll ever offer is when you said, Lord, I'm yours. Do whatever you want in me. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosis is the word. Be transformed. Why? How? Right here. Starts in the mind. By the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we're many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in serving. And the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May the Lord add his blessing, and may the Lord help us to be that kind of church. So let me just do it this way. Three things happen when you surrender your life. And you say, Lord, I want you to change the way I think. Renew my mind. Number one, changes the way you see yourself. Number two, it changes the way you see people around you in the church. And number three, it changes the way you see your giftedness. And you are gifted, by the way. So start with the first one. It changes the way you see yourself. Go back to the text with me. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think himself more highly than he ought to think. The word think is used four times in this one verse. You can probably spot three of them. Four times he says, you got to change the way you think. First about yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. If there was ever a message Paul wanted to give to all those followers of Christ in his day, humble yourself. Do you know what Paul considered himself? Here he was, the, one of the greatest missionaries the world's ever known. You know what he called himself? The greatest of sinners. The chief of sinners. What did James, the brother of the Lord, say? God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. One of the Puritan writers, Evan Roberts, used to say, you'll find God in Scripture in two places. He dwells in the highest of the heavens and with the lowly. In other words, you want to know where God's power is? You want to know where God's anointing is? You want to know where God moves in incredible ways? In the highest of the heavens and then with the lowly. So the first thing is that you've got to see yourself. You're not the most important thing in the world. You're not all that. 
Now, I know that sounds almost, you know, it's defeating. Not really. I was with a, I was with a men's group one time. It was a, a getaway. And uh, we were kind of on a little retreat, and one of them was an attorney, and we were just sharing things. And the attorney said, you know what I teach my kids? He said, I teach all four of my kids. When they walk in a room, they are the least important in that room. Everybody else see them as more important. And I'm like, that's interesting. Because I've never heard that taught as a parent. But I think it's what Scripture teaches. Humble yourself. In other words, see people as more important than yourself. That's something that starts here. And then he says, when you think of yourself as not the most important, think with sober judgment. Sober judgment is another word for think. It's actually the word for think, and it, and it actually is a, an interesting combination. But it means to just get a reality check. Be self-aware. Just think about yourself and, and really understand who you are. You know, somebody said, we always talk about being God-aware and that God is, is, is in our life and God is doing things. Yes, that's a great thing, but be self-aware. And just help. And we, by the way, we have things to help you here. We had a workshop called Unique. And you're going to see some information about that coming up in the future. It's one of the greatest things you could ever do is figure out you. And just be aware. Sober judgment means I'm going to think carefully about my life. And why do I need to do that? According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When you read that, I know you're thinking, well, I, some have more faith than others. And that's what he's talking about. No, it didn't. It's not talking about your faith. It's talking about the faith. This phrase, measure of faith, a scholar that I have great respect for, he said there are 70 combinations of those words in the New Testament. 70. And he took them and did an analysis of every one of them, and he said, you know what this means? Measure of faith? It means the standard is Jesus. The standard is Jesus. According to the standard of Jesus, I'm going to think differently about myself because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it changes. It starts with us, how we think about ourselves. But then it's how we think of each other. So the next part of it, he says, now, when you look around, it's going to be different. For as in one body, we have many members. And the members do not all have the same function. Okay? Not everybody's like you. Not everybody's like me. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So what do you see when you look around? Well, number one, I see that we are one in Christ because that's the only thing that joins us together. I mean, I'm looking around and some of you are pulling for Gonzaga. Some of you are pulling for North Carolina. Some of you are pulling for teams that have already gotten beaten and you didn't know they weren't in the tournament anymore. That's okay. We're all different. Some of you drove a Chevy to church today. Some of you drove a Ford. Some of you drove a BMW. Some of you drove a Mercedes. We have someone who drives a Rolls Royce every Sunday. We all drive different vehicles. We live different places. 
We grew up differently. We speak differently. Some have an accent. Some of us don't. Some of us speak Southern, which is the pure language of the people. Seriously, we, we are so different. So then what is it that makes us one? We are one body in Christ. What joins us together, and I think it's the most amazing thing, is he brought us all together and threw us together and says, let me tell you, there's only one thing that will keep you guys together, and that's Jesus, and Jesus has done a great job. Wouldn't you say, can we just give him thanks? He makes us one. Can you imagine, I stood there about a week ago, a little over a week ago, in the place where he called the disciples, okay, on the Sea of Galilee, stood there. As I'm standing there, I'm just thinking about that day when he called Simon Peter, when he called James, John, when he called Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot carried a sword, most likely, or a little knife called a sakari, a dagger. And he called Matthew, a tax collector. And then he called some other guys. We're not even sure what they were or who they were. And I stood there looking at that place going, Jesus, did you just men mentally have a lapse when you put those guys together. He called them together. And he says, I want y'all to follow me. And three years later, one of them still didn't get it. And the others weren't sure. But why am I telling you this? He changed the world with 11 guys that didn't all look alike. We all are different. And we have different gifts. That's okay. That can be celebrated. Look at this. We don't all have the same function. Don't get frustrated that somebody, well, they're not like me. Well, no, they're not. And that shouldn't frustrate you. That ought to be something you appreciate. Because guess what? They make you better. And you probably make them better. So, yes, we have different functions. We don't all have the same gift, as we'll see. And individually, we're members of one another. You realize what that's saying? We're members of one another. Our lives are intertwined. I mean, I'll pick on the front row. You guys, you're a part of me. I'm a part of you. We're just like this. And you're like, oh, I need to pray. I, I know that's what you're thinking. God help us. Yes. Seriously, we're so connected. And that's how we've got to see one another. In fact, that's what makes the church so beautiful is that he brings us together in Jesus and he connects us in him and then he uses the differences for his glory. This is a man that I think one of the greatest books ever written on the Apostle Paul is called Paul, the Apostle of the Heart Set Free. It's by a guy named F.F. F. Bruce, British scholar who's amazing. Listen to what he said. Diversity, not uniformity, is the mark of God's handiwork. It is so in nature, it is so in grace too. And nowhere more so than in the Christian community. Yet because and by means of that diversity, all can cooperate for the good of the whole. So what I'm saying to you is, we need each other. You make us better. We'll make you better. So we got to change how we think of one another. And the last thing, change it changes how we think of our gifts. Because some of you are sitting there thinking, I don't have a gift. Yeah, you do. Do you know Jesus? If you know Jesus, you got a gift. 
The day you put your faith and trust in Christ is the day Jesus came in your life and you received a gift, okay? Just trust me on this. I asked a little boy one time, he, I said, where did you get that? He had blonde hair. And I said, man, where did you get that beautiful blonde hair? And he looked up at me and said, I was borned this way. Well, let me tell you, you were born with a gift. When you were born again, when Jesus walked in, you have a gift. Now watch how this works, okay? Because I want you to think of your gift differently than you have been thinking. Because you think it doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. You think it's not a big deal. Yes, it is. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And by the way, the word grace is gift. It's just the way, it's a word that can be a word for gift given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, and it goes on, mentions the other gifts, ends up with mercy. So in other words, here's the deal. Every believer has a gift. And they're all different. We're all different. Number two, <laughs> There's no list in the New Testament that includes all the gifts. Paul mentioned some in Romans. He mentioned some in Ephesians. He mentioned some in 1 Corinthians. Peter mentioned some. There's not just one gift. You don't have a concordance. If you have a concordance, look up the list of gifts. You'll get different places. It's the way it is. So what does that mean? That means that, that there's a lot of different gifts we may not even be aware of. Another thing, there are not some gifts that matter more than others. They don't have more value. Every gift that he gives the body of Christ is of equal value. Okay? It's not like boarding an airplane and they call up the diamond members first. Then they call up the, you know, gold. And then they call up silver. And then they've got group. Well, I'm group three. And I'm back there going, what is the deal? Why are they more important than me? Well, number one, they spend a lot more money. But that's, that's why. It's not, not that way with gifts, okay? It's not that there's some gifts that are bigger and better. For example, my wife and I have very different gifts. Right now, she is teaching children, and she's incredible, incredible. She homeschooled, and I'm telling you, she is an incredible teacher. If you put me in a classroom with little ones, I'm a disaster. I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm serious. I, it just, I, I panic. I'm like, well, what, what do I do? Get down in the floor and let them play. I don't know. Do something, you know? But her gift, oh, she's in her element. Now, put my wife up here. If she ever is up here and I had anything to do with it, pray for me because I'm in deep weeds. I'm in deep weeds. This is not her spot. But guess what? Her gifts are just as important as mine. Her gifts just as important as mine. There's not this evaluation of gifts in the Scripture. You'll never find that there's one gift. Oh, my goodness, that's the best one. No, you won't find that. And they're not like a Christian zodiac. Quit saying, oh, there's one of my prophet brothers. No, we don't, we don't use that. Gifts can be given. I think sometimes they come and go. In other words, God may gift you for something that you, you've got to walk through or you've got to lead or you've got an assignment. So I think they kind of come and go and they move. And I think he gives them to, this, to you for one reason. 
and it's not for you. It's so you will use them to bless the body of Christ and to give glory to his name. To serve the body of Christ, give glory to his name. Don't ever honor yourself by your gift. Gifts are never functioning that way in the New Testament. You don't have people walking around going, all right, I got the gift of prophecy. Everybody listen. No. If you got the gift of prophecy, people will listen. It'll be apparent. Don't use your gift to honor you. In fact, that's the very opposite of what he said in the very beginning. Don't think more of yourself than you should. You don't use gifts that way. You use gifts to glorify him and to serve the body of Christ. And then watch this. In proportion to our faith. So does that mean that if I have a lot of faith that I use my gift more? Nope, it's not talking about your faith. Remember I said that earlier. It's not your faith. It's the faith. What faith? The gospel. The story of Jesus. Listen, the reason I want you to use your gifts and I want you to make a decision today that, you know what, I'm going to, I know I have gifts and I'm going to use them. Here's why. Because Jesus Christ came to this earth, left heaven, walked the streets of this earth, took a beating for you, was crucified for you, rose from the dead for you, and you and I have the opportunity to follow him. And so what happens to us, we are convicted, we're headed one way, and we realize that's not the right way. We repent. The word repent just means we turn. We're not following us. We're not following somebody else. We are following Jesus. And when we do, you live a life based on what he did for you. That's our faith. When I walked with our group, the Via Della Rosa in Jerusalem, when I stood in places, and I knew that's where Jesus had stood, stood on a place where he was beaten, I just kept thinking to myself, man, he did this for me. He shed his blood for me. I mean, he took a beating for me. The least I can do is use the gifts he's given me for his glory. Because when you think about what Jesus did, you're going, man, how can I respond to that? How could I ever give back? I'll tell you how. Use the gifts he's given you. That's how you do it. Let us use them. So let's use them and make this a better place. Use them. And really see the glory of God revealed through you using your gift. I'll make it real simple. So let's say you're going to get together a life group, okay? And you're going to have chips and dip. Everybody has chips and dip. Oh. <laughs> you did that on purpose, didn't you? Every person in the room that has the gift of prophecy is thinking, well, that wouldn't have happened if they had handed it off differently. Because you have a tendency to see things and understand black and white, why this happened, why that happened. It's okay. The, those of you who have the gift of mercy, you want to come up here and give Don a hug. You want to say, honey, I'm so sorry. I saw what happened. It was the pastor's fault. You want to slap me. You want to hug her. I know what's happening in you. Those of you with the gift of generosity, Uber Eats is on the way. I mean, you got some more chips coming. Because you want to do something to fix it, right? Those of you have the gift of leadership. You're thinking, okay, the way that that could have happened is if you had that up here already and you're thinking how you can design it where it works. 
Every one of us are moved by moments like that. What Paul is saying is, it's okay. It doesn't matter what gift you have. There's a need. Meet the need. Don't stand back and go, well, that's not my gift. I don't have anything to do with that. No. See, the best way to learn your gift is start using them. You say, but what if I don't know what it is? Do something. And you'll know soon. It's as you get involved. It's as, as you're serving, you begin to realize, this is my gift. I went and worked in a preschool class, and I realized, that's not my gift. I did things that I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'll never do that again. It's okay. That's the part of the process. And you know what else? When you're with others, they help you know your gift. Because they look at you and say, man, I just believe God has given you a really unique gift of that. And you're affirmed. And so all of a sudden, moments like this, hey, it's no big deal. I know some of you want to run up here and start picking stuff up immediately. How many of you want to get up and just come help clean up right now? There you go. There's the mercy, folks, right there. And the gift of serving. The gift of serving. You, you want to help. You want to clean it up. But here's what I want you to do. Use your gift for the body of Christ so that we not only bless one another, we bless him. That's what a living sacrifice does. That's what it's all about. Look at this. I don't want to be a church. Oh, man, we look cool. And it's amazing to come and watch everything happen. Well, what do y'all do? Oh, I don't know. We, I don't know. We just have a good time. No. It's not about just looking good. It's about serving. It's about being good and using what God has given you. So, we want to take you on a journey. We want you to serve somewhere. This is not a call to teach a class. This is a call to say, I'm ready to do something. Even on the stream and on TV 45, if you have this longing to say, you know what, I believe God has given me gifts and I just want to make sure that I'm using them somewhere, you need a church, you need somewhere so that you can live out what Paul wrote about. And it all begins how? Don't think more highly of yourself than you should. It's okay. We're all in this together. We're going to figure it out together. The Scripture never gives a test. Take this test and you'll know exactly what the gift is. I've given those tests. I think those tests can help you. But it's really not like a personality inventory. This is a spiritual thing. This is God just moving in on your life and saying, I want you to do this. And he gives you the gifts to do it. So I have a question. Are you ready to say, Lord, I want to serve. I want to find my place. Do you know Christ? The faith that he keeps referring to is one day you're walking this way and you realize, man, I'm not living the way I should. And what do you do? You turn, you repent. You say, Jesus. Jesus, I'm not going that way anymore. I'm following you. Have you ever made that commitment? That's when you're going to know how unique you are, how blessed you are when you follow him. And if you're following him, are you using those gifts? I'm looking into the room, and I, I know there's some folks online and on TV 45. You've got amazing gifts, and they're, they're needed. We need you. We need one another. So why don't we just together say, we're going to do something.
We're going to figure it out. We're going to do something. We have a group called Connect. It's, a, it's kind of like a workshop that meets three times a month. And the last one is today, and then it'll pick up in a week or so. Go. We want you to go there. Why? Because it talks about how to know Christ, how to follow Christ, and how to use gifts that he's given you. Today, both sides, welcome centers. There's somebody there to talk to you, to say, hey, here's what you can do. You can always text the word CONNECT to 40777. There'll be someone to talk with you and pray with you. But most importantly, let's use what God has given us for his glory and to bless one another. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way you built the body of Christ. Thank you for the way you brought us together. And I know that you've gifted us. And that is so not for our sake, but for others. And so help us to do that. And most of all, you gifted us so we could give it back to you and give you glory. So Lord, I pray today we do just that. How could we ever say thank you for all you did for us? Well, Jesus, I believe we could start by using what you gave us to glorify your name. So, Lord, today we will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. Next week, we'll move on where he says, let love be genuine. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.